virtual avatar looks nothing like me, Zach, and I'm concerned. And welcome to Freightonomics. Uh, Anthony's mental health is still strong and standing for now, so he is still with us. Our chief economist, Anthony Smith. I'm Zach Strickland, head of freight market intelligence here at Freightways. And we are here to really talk to you about just about everything possible. Uh, some weeks we have, we don't have as much content that kind of drives the discussion, but this week, Anthony, we were talking about it before the show, it's, it's literally every angle imaginable in terms of supply chain, freight market analytics. Uh, I, of course, have to geek out a little bit yeah. on the earnings and the financial sector, but there's more than that. We had the federal rate increase another quarter uh, 25 basis points, um, as well as some interesting stuff from the jobs markets. And we just got to jump right into it, Anthony. Yeah. And uh, of course, this is our first show back Thursdays, Thursdays. at noon. So back thank you home. all so much for tuning in and sticking with us through some of the little time changes and shifts here. But Zach, like you said, we got to jump straight into it. Do we kick it off with uh, Freight and Two? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Starting it off in three, two, one. All right, the first chart, it's, I've been leading off with it. I told you this is what you're going to get from me for the time being uh, until I, I see a reason to change the OTVI. But this is on a monthly cadence, and this is the last four years of outbound tender volume index uh, on a monthly or organization. So the white line is the current year. You can see January. We just closed January uh, just a little while ago. So we now have January, and you can see there's a slight uptick in volume. However, we normally uptick off of December because we have a few weeks of vacation time. Uh, it does look like we are following a similar trend line to what we would see pre-pandemic. If you look at the orange and purple lines, those are the two pre-pandemic years. The pandemic era, of course, in the blue and green line. Now, interesting thing is that the first deterioration we had was during the pandemic era as volumes fell on that blue line into January. That is not uh, the case this year. And of course, there's a huge reversal of that trend in February. Let's go into our next chart here. Outbound tender rejection index uh, compared to the spot market, absolutely nothing to see here. Spot rates have now hit their low points that we they hit in mid-February uh, a few days, actually a day earlier than I projected they would. So it was a little off there, but we're now at the market bottom in terms of spot rate activity. Tender rejection rates Barely moving. 3.78%. I think we're at 3.75% this time last week. Next chart. We did have a Texas freeze event this week. Dallas, of course, had an ice storm. So I wanted to point this out. Tender volumes there in white uh, fell, or I'm sorry, they're in green. They jumped in front of the ice storm and then tender rejections jumped as the ice storm hit, but volumes fell. The lesson here, if we go to the next chart and finish it off, that big circle there, that's the Texas freeze. Volumes fell, tender rejections jumped, and then afterwards, volumes soared. Watch out, Texas. <laughs> Impressive stuff, Zach. Yeah, um, that's a, I mean, that's, that's kind of a lesson of these natural disasters is like, okay, maybe capacity doesn't tighten. <laughs> uh, you know, Donnie and, and Thomas talked about it this morning on Freightways Now a little bit. So definitely check that out. But volumes fall when... You can't get to work. Yeah. <laughs> like the shippers shut down. I've seen this happen with Harvey in Texas. Texas is like the centroid of all this activity. Now that I think about it, I just put that together. Uh, where Texas volume tends to be like the most volatile or reactive to some of these natural disasters. Because it's a, it's a central point for a lot right. of freight. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think you bring up a good point because we've seen the other, there was a Texas freeze not too long ago, and I think we're kind of seeing some of the stuff that like doesn't quite, it's not the same, but some of it, I'm sure, rhymes. Yeah, I, it's, it's one of those things where everybody thinks that during the event is where all the capacity uh, tightness begins, but it actually occurs after the event passes because think about it, the rest of the country operating is normal. Right. And then we have, you know, this portion of the supply chain shut down where they can't ship anything for a few days. They can't produce something. You know, there's a a distribution center that's shut down in the middle of Amazon's network. (laughs) You know, and I don't know that to be the case. I just said that as an example. But the, uh, you know, that's the type of thing that causes these like huge spikes in activity, tightness to show up kind of unseasonably so. Uh, So definitely watching Dallas for some disruption. Definitely going to be watching for sure. And you see me looking down, that's because I'm on LinkedIn. So if you're actually on in the supply chain and you're in the Texas area, what are you seeing right now? I want to jump in on the conversation through any of the talks that we're talking about today. Because if you're watching right now around 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we are live, we're streaming live. So jump in on LinkedIn, get a part of the conversation, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so I mean... The Texas freeze thing doesn't look like it's going to be on the scale of what we saw in 2021. Obviously, the market a lot more sensitive to these disruptions back then. And of course, shippers also hadn't realized that there was going to be this huge demand surge uh, coming out of it. So, And that was really macroeconomically. There was still a lot of demand going on in January because we were still shut down. Right. And we had a stimulus package. Right. Something the shippers did not foresee. And so these companies had to order and their supply chain was all clogged up. So they weren't getting the orders. That's absent this time. Uh, But there's still some pieces that we can pull forward. And speaking of demand, Rachel Premack wrote an article. (laughs) Newsonomics time because we got to keep it moving here. Yeah. And so a lot to cover. Rachel Premack wrote this article about boxes. Yeah. What did you take away from this article? You talked to her this week. Yeah, yeah. So we, we were able to have her on FreightWaves Now talking about the article. And I think it was very well written. And I think it's definitely just one of those additional interesting data points that kind of confirms what we've been seeing and what we are expecting. Of course, it kind of captures it was data that was um, year-end data, I believe, mm-hmm. and throughout the fourth quarter. Yep. And so um, definitely kind of shows one of those other areas of like, yeah, there is some uh, significant decline in that consumer demand. Also, it kind of is going to be reflective of the heightened demand that we saw from the earlier parts of the year. Yeah, and I think that's the point is, you know, it says that the headline here is cardboard box demand plunging at rates unseen since the Great Recession. Now, mm-hmm. when we were falling out of the great and when things were deteriorating in the Great Recession, we were operating at kind of this standard line of activity. It was up and to the right, right. but it was this, you know, pretty strong economic growth cycle we were in. And then it fell. Now, we, we hit a plateau <laughs> of activity. I mean, if you look at the OTBI, the Outbound Tender Volume Index, we really hit a ceiling of activity for about a year and a half, and then it started just falling off. So the rate of decline there isn't the same as the rate of decline. You know, you can't compare those two perfectly, but mm-hmm. the point being... We're economically slowing. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it makes all the sense in the world when we're looking at what's going on with the consumer. Of course, we'd always talk about it. Savings rate staying low. We're seeing, of course, the the, the credit utilization continue to rise, showing that there's going to be 
fewer dollars to be able to spend potentially on a lot of these goods. And now you're going to have to make those decisions between goods and services. And on top of that, we're seeing a lot of mixed signals, of course, coming from the jobs market, which isn't a leading indicator per se, but definitely something that's going to show what some of the current consumer conditions are that they're going to be leaning on to really kind of continue to make some of these purchases. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because now we've got a good moment, especially considering that the consumer is the one buying Amazon, you know, ordering stuff online. These boxes, obviously, the box industry has grown significantly right. uh, from the consumer sector. So. Tell us about the jobs market, because that's the thing that the Fed has been leaning on, saying, look, we're still doing all right, people, even though anybody looking at transportation demand is saying, like, the sky fell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, the job openings number is definitely one that I think Jerome Powell mentioned in his latest um, mm -hmm. talk that he just gave just yesterday. Um, also uh, concluded with a... Um, quarter percent uh, bump in that interest rate. Um, but definitely noting that there is for sure an imbalance in the in, in the labor market and so that there's going to need to be some type of correction there. Um, so Jerome Powell mentioned that he is, um, you know, confident that there is a reality or is a scenario where there can be a correction in the labor market without detrimental harm or, or contraction within macroeconomic growth overall. And so I think that is definitely a, a fine, uh, you know, needle to thread there. But I think, you know, for that to happen, there's just going to have to be so many things that have to fall into place. One of which is um, we saw pretty surprisingly or impressively that the hirings picked up in December. So this is also lag data. But what we've been seeing really over the last, you know, year or so is that even though we've seen crazy number of job openings that we saw that hiring wasn't quite keeping up with that. Right. And so we actually saw a tick up in hiring this month, which was pretty, you know, nice to see and encouraging to see because you want, I, I want to see, you know, folks be able to get out there and get a job. I don't want to see a whole, everyone just laid off, but the quality of jobs is definitely going to be the big thing around that. A lot of it's going to be around services. Um, we're looking at the job gain for uh, one of the ADP reports for the private sector. A lot of the job gains, even though it slowed down overall, um, were for the service sector, while the jobs for producing goods actually contracted or went down. Yeah, but I mean, even if they are jobs for the service sector, that means that people stay employed yeah. and they can spend money on goods and, and, and other things, and that keeps things rolling, and that's good. Yeah, the, what we don't want is what we hear in the headlines, and that's like layoffs happening every week. And obviously, some of these companies, it's been very tech-heavy yeah. layoffs uh, from what we've seen. It's not in ubiquitous. It's not throughout the entirety of the job spectrum. So. I guess that's that's still some positive news. That's some positive takeaway. That's the thing I'm holding on to as consumers continue to kind of spin themselves <laughs> into this hole that I see forming. And that's my most concerning piece is the is the debt. The credit card debt is still growing. Yeah, the credit card debt's still growing. The non-revolving uh, credit is still growing. And uh, I think we talked about some of this on the last episode, but just the mentality of some of those employers are going to be different now mm -hmm. post-pandemic. And so, of course, at the pandemic, we saw that there was this huge, you know, mass of uh, wave of layoffs. And then, you know, it's like, all right, now they scramble to get everyone back to work and hire as many people as we can. I think a lot of employers are going to probably try to hold on to labor a little bit longer potentially than they should. And so that could be potentially a, uh, you know, a detrimental thing for a lot of companies and a lot of individuals as we continue to kind of move throughout the year. So that's what I'm, I hope we don't see, but that's definitely going to be a threat, I think, as we continue to move, because a lot of times employers are going to be late to react to macroeconomic right. conditions. And so what we are seeing right now could be, you know, some of the techie jobs 
some of those individuals' companies getting ahead of what they expect to be um, some detrimental times. Yeah, and of course, a lot of people still haven't returned to the workforce, right? right? The participation rate still not as high as it was, right? Still not quite there yet. So that's going to be another big thing. The other surprising point that we did see was that the quit rate was still pretty elevated there. So definitely um, we'll, we'll get updates around the participation rate tomorrow morning, I think, uh, with the unemployment rate updates and things like that. But it, it's definitely an interesting time in the macro economy. Yeah. I, I like it when there's a balance of, of leverage yeah. uh, in the employment sector, for sure. It, it's better for all of us. Uh, so let's transition into some earnings because uh, there's a lot of good takeaways from some of these earnings. And of course, up first, Knight Swift the largest for hire carrier uh, by power units in the United States represents right around 2% of the total uh, truckload capacity in the for hire market. <laughs> um, so they have literally a representation of almost every single sector of tra- domestic transportation uh, possible. Uh, truckload, obviously, their biggest piece. If we pull up their earnings here, uh, you can see Todd Maiden, of course, covers these beautifully. The freaking best, I know I'm biased, <laughs> best earnings reporter there is. Um, if you look at Night Swift, the takeaways here, revenue decline, pretty strong uh, revenue decline, excluding fuel too, which has been a headwind or a tailwind for a lot of carriers. 7.2% down uh, quarter over quarter, or I should say year over year for the fourth quarter. Um and that's driven, and if you look at some of their figures here, it's actually driven by a decline in volume and price. So we've been talking about contract rates not falling super fast. Knight Swift is seeing a decline. Now, I don't know what their spot market exposure is and their truckload side, but it looks like they probably have a little heavier exposure to that um, sector. However, they could have just had some contracts. They could have gotten aggressive with some contracts. My one big criticism here, if I'm looking at this, Anthony Smith is, what do you think it is? What do you think it is? What do you think my big criticism is? Is it going to be around uh, their tractors? It is around their tractors. (laughs) Look at them growing their power units year over year. Oh, man. Night Swift. (laughs) I know you want to be the biggest, uh, but this is a bad time. (laughs) That was probably the worst time you could have grown your fleet. Now, I know that there's a lot of deliveries coming due, and, of course, Crystal balls are not <laughs> handed out freely here, but this uh, quarter over quarter that, you know, we're going to talk about a company here in a minute that did not do this and seems to be pretty stable. Yeah, um, I mean, in, in the article, I think one of the interesting quotes here um, from uh, Jackson said that he believes that the inventory overhang will clear through the spring, providing a more normal market on the back half of the year. He said conversations with customers are indicating a pickup in demand by June or July. So thinking that that's you know, what he's looking at. I, 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 we hear this optimism, but they have to be optimistic. Yeah. You have to be optimistic. It's, it's, at this point, you're, and, and again, I think it's more about not being less bad mm. <laughs> uh, than it is being like, oh, the market's going to turn. And that's what I take away from some of this. Customers have been horrible at telling <laughs> their carriers what their businesses are. Like I would never, when I was doing an RFP, the last thing I would listen to is the customer's expectation for their year and the volume because it was 100% wrong every single time. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, you know, you obviously take what has been and you apply it for it as well as you can. That's not, all, that's not the best way to do everything. But um, I, think it's a, I think we can certainly say with strong confidence that last year will not present itself again 
in terms of a deterioration, a right. rate of deterioration, I should say. And I want to move forward to their LTL sector because that's going to segue us into our next earnings piece, uh, uh, Night Swift's LTL earnings. Now, this was a totally different story. Uh, this, if you look at this, they had huge revenue growth, uh, excluding fuel. And fuel is a, can be a huge tailwind for LTL because it's a percent of the freight charges instead of a per mile uh, basis. So year-over-year change, 14.7% in revenue. Shipments per day, up 5%. Um, this is, this tells me that they've acquired, they've gained market share. Mm. This isn't just simply, but the, I mean, the volumes in LTL do hold up a little bit stronger through these down cycles than truckload. But this looks like they've actually attained market share. And of course, we know the pricing in LTL can be, it's a lot more resilient uh, and it stays on trend longer than truckload, for sure. Not as sensitive because it's less fragmented. And, and the, the, I'm, I might be rushing here, but um, one of the big areas that I think you, you noted that was of no surprise, uh, the brokerage side. Yeah, the brokerage side of Night Swift. Uh, just pitiful. Um, <laughs> 42% <laughs> decline in revenue, uh, driven by volume decline, but they're just not getting the margins. That's, that's everybody in brokerage right now. I feel for you. <laughs> I do. Uh, quarter, four to, quarter four of 2022 to quarter four of 2021, however, those comps may be as bad as you will ever see yeah. for brokerage. And that's because the spot market deterioration has been stupid. Um, you know, I showed you the NTI earlier uh, compared to the OTRI. You can see the year over year comp there, it, it's night and day. Right. 20% tender rejection rate, or yeah, we were just over 20% tender rejection rate last year. Now we're at uh, 3.7. <laughs> so there's just, there's just not enough volume. Yeah. It's not supporting the spot market for the logistics side. Uh, but Back to the LTL uh, quickly, their OR gain was tremendous from a 90 to an 85. So extremely impressive there that the LTL sector, and this, and I'll discount the tractor growth because one of the things they did during the pandemic was buy mm. uh, the LTL side of their business. And they knew that this was a smart decision. So that one, kudos to you on that. Tractor growth? Nah, let's not, <laughs> let's not, let's not add any more to this. Um, so let's move forward to our of LTL. LTL, kind of the benchmark LTL provider. Old Dominion uh, released earnings uh, yesterday. And again, uh, this, this isn't quite as glowing as Night Swift, surprisingly, but it's actually, I think this is more indicative of an incumbent. Mm. Uh, this is what I would expect to have happened last uh, in the last quarter. So, Old Dominion uh, had pretty, you know, they had a pretty decent beat in terms of expectations. I, if you've heard me on the show before, I discount expectations from the financial sector. They're looking at earnings per share, market fluctuations, stock value. I don't, I'm not into it. Yeah. I don't, I don't need it uh, right now. <laughs> but Old Dominion tonnage and shipments both down. Their revenue, 17% higher. Wow. They took some rate increases, yeah. people, uh, and they were sticky. <laughs> that is how you run LTL. <laughs> now, this is impressive, Zach. I mean, and, and like you said at the beginning, the gold standard, I, I think, for LTL. And if you heard last week, if you were paying attention, they just talked about 
their head of pricing was at a conference saying, we're not going to take rate increases next year. We shouldn't take rate increases next year. It's because they just took a ton. <laughs> their earnings just tell you. They just took a ton of rate increases. Yeah. They're, they're probably they're like, yeah, we got ours. We're good. Yeah, yeah. good to go. <laughs> um, well, so, well played. <laughs> and we have another one, of course, uh, neighbors not too far down the street here, Covenant. Yes, Covenant. So this is a fascinating study in trucking operation. Uh, the Covenant earnings came in, uh, they, they were a miss, but it, it just, I, I'm looking at their earnings and quarter over quarter, or quarter 21 over quarter 22, their revenue grew. Yeah. I'm sorry. When it, <laughs> that's not a bad thing. Uh, you're telling me that you built in revenue growth into the strongest down cycle in trucking history. <laughs> quarter over quarter. I, I'm sorry. This is a operational feat in my mind. And um, they did something a little bit different than uh, Knight Swift with their tractors. Guess what they did? They parked 600 units. <laughs> their net tractor uh, count was down for the quarter, uh, yeah. year over year. Extremely. This is, now, I, I don't want to get too on Covenant because this, this is an impressive feat. Their OR dropped from 95 to 91. Uh, over, like I said, the worst cycle, down cycle that I've ever seen. Um, but that also tells me they were underpriced mm. in quarter four of last year. And obviously their spot market exposure, nowhere near, it basically not existed. They right. said that their brokerage arm, uh, he said it in here, David Parker said, their current brokered loads account for 5% of the mix compared to as little as 1% when the market was stronger. Wow. I don't know that that's an admission I want to make. <laughs> like, uh, so now you're using it at rock bottom prices. He called them 1990 rates. And he does expect that to change. And they're going to replace that with some niche market stuff that gets much better pricing. But Covenant looks like a, I mean, as operationally speaking, a little conservative for my taste. They don't take a lot of risks. 95 OR in the strongest quarter in history. But they did, they have weathered the storm tremendously well. Uh, in last year, and it looks like looking forward, I I feel good about Covenant if I were an investor. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see, you know, a few different companies just taking different routes yeah. to be successful. Yeah, and this is a totally different route, very conservative route, very strong route for the yeah. current market for sure. Uh, but they probably don't have the cash that Knight Swift has stockpiled. Again, Knight Swift at an 82 OR, and right. we're celebrating a 91. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but Knight Swift dropped from a 74 to an 82. Um, so overall, but here's the last piece here. This question we get asked daily. <laughs> what is capacity doing in the market? Well, Joe Antoshak, the brilliant <laughs> contributor that he is, wrote this article. He did some research. He's in our research uh, department, FreightWaves 2023, top 504 higher carrier lists. sees tractor count grow uh, 2.63% over the course of 2022. There you have it. Capacity grew 2.63% over the last year. And it looks like it's continuing to grow to an extent because of the deliveries. But there you have it. And we have a chart here. You're looking at it. Basically, the top 50 uh, carriers by size uh, account for 63% of the total tractor count. Wow. Definitely check this one out. And this is, uh, this article answers so many questions. Uh, I wish we had it <laughs> uh, about a month ago when I was getting this question, I think hourly. Yeah. <laughs> what's capacity, what's capacity doing? The tractor count's important. The driver count's important. But I think considering the economically, 
you can get drivers a little bit easier than you could a year ago, right? Right, 100%. And I think, I, uh, hats off again to Joanne Shuck here. Um, definitely something that I, I recommend you going on for com and taking a look at for sure. Answers, like you said, a lot of questions. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is, this is like uh, one of the things that I'm not sure what you do with this. Like, okay, tractors grew 2.63%. You've got your answer. Yeah. Now what? Now you know. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> and, and, and so it's, it's more to me about demand. And if you look at that, over 2022, it's 2.63%, people. That's not... That doesn't, that supply does not grow that fast. Yeah. Nor does it really decline that fast. It takes time. That's why those demand side indicators are uh, so important because demand, I just showed you on the chart in Dallas last uh, 2021, I think it was a 30% jump in demand after, right. after that winter event uh, in February. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what that demand kind of looks like, both upstream and downstream. A little bit earlier, we spoke about some of the downstream stuff. Upstream, some interesting thing, interesting things going on, especially with manufacturing. Saw the third consecutive month for contraction for the ISM PMI, showing that manufacturing is indeed slowing down now with a reading still below 50 at 47.4. If you might be thinking about, hey, but there's those new orders component that's also contracting uh, still in contraction territory at 42.5 with backlogs at 43.4. I think, I think I'm waiting on the rate increases to stop, and I think we're going to see that turnaround. Mm. I think we're just... We're in this risk-off environment. Everybody's kind of holding their breath for the bottom. I think we've got a lot of reason to think that will turn around once yeah. we stop trying to kill it with our rate increases. Yeah, and there was definitely, a, I think, a substantial amount of pull forward for yeah. sure um, yeah, with still, anticipation. With yeah, we're still trying to like vet out a lot of that noise. So I, I think there's reason to be somewhat optimistic. I don't think we're going to see this huge boom, though. But this has been the show, and yeah. we're back. Thursdays at noon. Thursdays at noon. Tell your friends. And this has been Economy Lightning, Matthew Smith, and Zach Griffin here. We're not, not going to do this.